0: all right we are live hello and welcome everyone i am so blessed to be here today um i have some of my favorite people here with us live and i'm just really excited to roll into this next hour with you all um so i'm actually gonna stop sharing my screen now but i just want to say welcome to the grow dialogue podcast um our first in studio live studio Session here. We've got folks calling from around the world today. So just want to say shout out for joining us. I know lots of crazy things are going on in the world, but you're deciding to spend the next hour with us. So we see you, we hear you, and we really want to just you know share time and space with you today as we you know crack open some live Q and A. We've been sharing some episodes um, over the past couple of weeks. We've been sharing some beautiful artwork. Um, and we just wanna you know, use this time to uh, open up the floor so you all can ask us some questions so we can also reflect on what we've recorded so far. And then also of course that we can hear from our featured artist here who's joining us live from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Welcome everyone today. We are gonna learn about this season's poetic call to action which involves making fanzines or zines, zines. Some people know it in different ways. So um, in just a few moments, uh, we'll have Guadalupe share, share with us what exactly they are, what, the, what it means and how we can get our hands in it and create our own liberation project. So I'm just curious to know for our live callers, um, can you drop a plus one in the chat if you know what a fanzine is? And if you don't know what a fanzine is, just drop a zero in the chat. So if you know what a fanzine is, drop a plus one. If you don't know, if you've never heard of what a fanzine is or a zine or a zine, uh, just press a zero. I just wanna see where we are here with our live callers. All right, so we're balanced so far. We got some ones, some zeros. Great, this is awesome. Okay, so before we go into our our live Q&A, um, soon Jada will, will be reflecting with me on the episodes that we've released and then we'll get into our fanzine presentation. Um, I just want to introduce myself and then I'll pass the mic to uh, everyone else to introduce themselves as well. So I'll start. So my name is Mariela Marie, as you all see here, I'm an artist and I'm a social impact producer currently living in Patagonia, Argentina the original lands of the Mapuche peoples. And I have the pleasure of producing this podcast. So thank you all for joining us live or re-watching this archived conversation. And before I pass the mic to my co-host and the founder of Grow Dialogue, I'd like to use this time and space to have a moment of silence um, in this ever-changing landscape as humanity is being challenged to share mutual respect, dignity, and basic human rights with each other let's hold space for grief, for love, and for
1: peace in this moment. So everyone, please, um, let's use this as a moment of silence.
2: Okay, thank you, thank you for that. So now
0: I will pass the mic to Dr. Sunjata Sunjata, um, just you know, introduce yourself for those who might not have heard the podcast yet, um, or who have not had the the opportunity to learn about you, you know, through your various social medias and all of the beautiful content you post online.
2: Awesome! Thank you, Mariella. Thank you for uh, putting together uh, this wonderful live Q and A for uh, individuals who are following our efforts. Um, and thank you to all the people who joined. Thank you to all the, the live audience for our first um, live Q&A for the podcast. The Grow Dialogue podcast This is really exciting. And very briefly, um, I'm Sunjata Sunjada, I am an anti-oppression facilitator, content creator um, and educator. And I do that in several ways in podca- podcasting, writing, speaking, um, facilitating training, coaching, et cetera. So I'm happy to be here and happy and happy to um, you know, participate in this in this Q and A and hear from our, our those who've joined us here shortly. Yeah, so I will you. go ahead and pass the mic, the virtual microphone to Guadalupe before I even pass the mic. I'm so grateful for your presence here and I'm grateful that you've Uh, gifted us uh, your art so for those of us for those of you who've been following the podcast and you see the artistic displays in the background our cover art etc that is the creation of uh, Guadalupe's so those are artistic expressions created by Guadalupe so I'm so grateful that you're here and I can't wait to hear more about you and your and your story
1: it is our pleasure to welcome the Grow Dialogue podcast's featured artist Guadalupe Arriegue Guadalupe is a visual artist and poet from Buenos Aires, Argentina. She's our featured artist on this season's podcast. Her work integrates art, literature, and astronomy. She practices astrophotography with various techniques for printing the skies and exchanging cosmovisions. She also runs Ruta Astral, or Astral Route, a cultural astronomy project. If you've been loving our podcast art and podcast video backgrounds, then you'll love this episode where she shares her process on how to make a fanzine.
3: My pleasure, my pleasure. I'm really, really glad to be here. Hello, everyone. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here in this Grow Dialogue podcast, sharing uh, some ideas that I think uh, sync up with some of the themes you're discussing. Well, I'm an artist. I'm I'm also an educator. I I educate others and others educate me. <laughs> and uh, well, I I work mostly with visuals. I'm a visual artist, but I love poetry and I study literature. Paula is like a soul
0: sister, star sister. Um she is I would say maybe she even has a fetish with the cosmos, loving to you know interpret it through her artwork and things like that. But we're gonna hear from her in just a few moments, um, so stick around. Um, but we wanted to open up space for folks who are joining us live, um, to ask us questions um, and just to get us kicked off. I want to review from our previous episode where we were uncovering tools of oppression, within Women's Rights, Pride, and Juneteenth. I don't know if you all had a chance to listen yet. If not, definitely go back and re-watch, re-listen. Um, so we brought up some uh, social feeds and, and things happening in the news around Women's Rights, Pride, and Juneteenth. Um, And we were dissecting them a little bit and reflecting on them, finding tools of oppression that were either being used in these posts and in different ways of people, you know, thinking and seeing the world. Also seeing if tools of indivisibility could be used in order to, you know, be more collaborative and just more come to a better understanding of each other. So before we go deep there, uh, Sunjata, for folks who don't know what uh, theory of Indivisibility is, if they have not heard the, the podcast yet or looked at your website, can you give us a brief overview of Theory of Indivisibility and why it's important to you?
2: Sure. Um, <clears throat> so the Theory of Indivisibility is both an aspirational declaration and an anti-oppression framework for social sustainability. And I created it with the hopes that it would inspire and provide guidance to all who endeavor to do their part towards ending all forms of oppression and creating socially and environmentally just and sustainable race relationships and communities all over the world so um, that is the the spirit you know you know behind it and in the overarching uh statement of what why it was created and what it was created to do it's important to me because hmm, I love people (laughs) it's because i love y'all see (laughs) and um it really just stems from that you know it stems from my love for people and my desire and my really a belief my belief in people my belief in humanity that we can live indivisibly that we we have the capacity we have the ability if we were to just shift our uh collectively shift continue to collectively shift our um, ways of, of thinking and relating with one another and, and, a willing, and also having a willingness to learn new skills. You know, I, I see a path clearly, even through all the polarization and all the divisiveness and all the, you know, the, 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 the isms and the prejudices and the privileges, I see a clear path towards indivisibility. So, you know, this theory of indivisibility was my, I guess, me writing out that path uh, as I saw it.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to pose to our live listeners and our live callers here today, or for those even who are rewatching this, let's take a moment to pause uh, and think of maybe there's one social media post or maybe there's one headline in the media that you've come across recently that you can bring to today's conversation. And we can together see if there are tools of oppression happening in that article or in that
1: social media post. And also maybe see if there's some tools of indivisibility. To help our live audience contemplate, Sunjata shares his screen revealing an infographic that lists some of the tools of oppression as well as some tools of indivisibility. You can find the link to this infographic in our show notes to follow along with us.
2: So. As you'll see here, um, I broke down from human social systems, which are, you know, any formal role, status, idea, or label created by humans that can form a stable grouping like words, language, cities, laws, family, community, economics, politics, race, gender, et cetera. These are all social systems. These are human-made systems. And human-made systems are social systems. Um, I contrast that to, um, you know, natural systems which are trees, humans, animals, lakes, oceans. Those are natural systems. So now when you talk about social systems, they can either be um, rooted in tools of oppression or rooted in tools of indivisibility, as I've drawn it out here. And some of the tools of oppression, um, Mariela, you asked me to label tools of oppression. So power over and control, um, as you see here, is one of the primary of oppression is the it's the one through my research um i spent months researching human societies and how they evolve and our our politics our you know relationships in terms of how we relate from man to woman from adult to child from person of privilege to people of non-privilege etc from wealthy to impoverished all those things are rooted in power over and control and there's a clear thread of that throughout history. Um, I also list out things like fear, scarcity, you know, the idea that there's not enough for us all, you know, dependency, standardization. Standardization being the idea that you know there's one-size-fits-all solutions to problems, and or that there's this you know one person in power or groups of people in power who can make standardized decisions that should that impact the masses and think that it's going to somehow let's say, satisfy the masses, Um, you know, I'll I'll leave that there. I can go so many directions, but moral judgment, that's a huge one. You know, we show up in a world in, in a lot of different ways, we have different beliefs, different values, different needs, different likes, different passions. And some of those are steeped in moral judgment. And what that does, unfortunately, it oppresses people who don't fall in line with those um, those morals who, who grow up and find their natural ways of living and being and doing are outside of what's considered morally just. So people have to grow up feeling othered, feeling like outsiders or, or worse actually being labeled and judged in those ways verbally or physically or violently, you know, competition. The idea that again, we can't do things together and share that we have to constantly be in competition with one another and nature and et cetera. Laws, conditional love, lying, exclusiveness. I can go on and on, um, and I won't take any more time, but these are some of them, and I'm sure there's more tools of oppression that exist uh, based on how our current social systems have, uh, dominant culture, uh, social systems in terms of dominant culture um, have you know, evolved. I
0: love that, Sunjada. And I wanna see from our live audience now does anyone have any, anything to add to the tools of oppression here that Kasunjada said, of course there are more. So maybe something comes to mind that you can bring to the conversation today, um, or maybe one of these on the screen here really calls your attention that you that you see um, happening. So please drop that in the chat. would love to hear from you all.
2: Okay, so Chris in the chat wrote, I've been spending time in autistic spaces, today in one of those spaces someone pointed out how oppressive it is to ask people who can't use words to do so when they are in survival mode i say use your words to young kids far too much thank you for that perspective chris um yeah that's that's interesting i can imagine how you know stressful and oppressive that may be for young people who struggle to use their words um you know in that way and that's that's not a the context that I've, I've thought about in that way, um, yeah. So, so thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, I have a son that's on the spectrum, so you know it definitely resonates in terms of as he was younger. Um, some of the things that we had to navigate because he was nonverbal for a long time, let's say a lot longer than the traditional benchmarks um, of when a young person, you know, is expected to to speak. But he, that's no longer the case but i do you know early in his early years recall you know going through certain things with that um hegemonic let's say guadalupe wrote hegemonic beauty as a rule there you go that's another one that i would say that falls under standardization and i i agree that's a huge one i was i know it's, i have an example for all of them but i literally was just watching something yesterday or i'm sorry listening to music and I and I it brought to me t- to my mind that I want to have a conversation with my children to remind them that um, to be to be critical of um, messaging in mass media as well as pop culture because pop culture does a really good job of making it seem like beauty looks a certain way and one of the things that I've no- that I noticed is that you know in movies and all the the movies that children love the the Marvel is really huge nowadays you know you very rarely see um, you know, people outside of the standard beauty model in love scenes, or, you know, as the, you know, the love interests, you know, the romantic interests of the, of the, the superhero, um, or et cetera. It's very standardized in terms of the way these people look, their body shapes, their, their, their gender, uh, how they present in terms of gender, um, or sexuality and all these various things are very standardized and that's something I want my children to continue to have a lens to just be wary of and understand that, you know, it's not the full picture of what happens in the real world and, I want, and, and to question why. Um, Matthew wrote, heteronormativity, marketing award ceremonies, climbing a ladder to success, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Absolutely, all of those things um, can be tied to one of our tools of oppression. Again, like standardization, um, like competition, right? Um, exclusiveness, social norms, all these things are within the tools of oppression, bureaucracy, absolutely. So, yeah, all these things that have been created, um, you know, I, I mean, okay, we don't need to go into the weeds of why they were created, but I'll just say it's the awareness is key. Because once we can see these things and name them, then we have the ability to shift how we, you know, engage with one another going forward. So that's why I think practices like this are important. Coming together in this way is important. Writing these things out, including this type of language in the way that we explain how we see the world is important. And um, it's all a part of, you know, the theory of indivisibility. And as, as you, uh, you know, if you scroll down and once folks go to it and you'll see that I wrote, I created this theory of indivisibility framework with the hopes that it will help more people learn to see and name the oppressions within so within social systems rooted in power over and control in the ways that we all unknowingly perpetuate them. And it's my belief that as more people learn to see and name the tools of oppression, they will begin to intentionally make changes in their lives in an effort to communicate, Problem solve and make decisions in ways that inherently produce liberation, social and environmentally sustain social and environmental sustainability, and unconditional love for themselves, the environment, and other human beings. So, absolutely, thank you all for participating in, in that and that exercise.
0: Oh my goodness, I appreciate everyone dropping their reflections in the chat. Um, and clearly, you know, there's there's way way more where that came from as well. I know you were just skimming the surface of, of things that you've seen coming up, in not even just just your social media and the news feeds, but you know, in the process of living your life, like how Guiche mentioned uh, bureaucracy um, and having to constantly be faced with so-called beauty standards. Um, and so, I'm really happy that you were able to, um, you know, weave in how theory of indivisibility lines up um, not against that, but just to counteract that, right? So this is actually a great segue into what I want to get into now, which is you know creating fanzines. So give us an overview of what fanzines are um, and why you find them important in the work that we're doing here as we're trying to you know turn away from tools of oppression and start to think for ourselves
3: uh, what is a fanzine or a scene shortly it's a handmade magazine written about anything you are a fan of so in that way i think like fun i believe fanzines can support one's liberation by allowing one's voice to be said, published, uh, shared, spread, and favoring the construction of groups, the growing dialogue of part. Uh, in groups, the fanzine can circulate and sustain itself. So, I think scenes are related uh, a lot of what you and Sunjara were were talking about. So, um, and because I'm I'm in love with the sky, I love astronomy, and scenes are very related to astronomy. So here is the first scene I would love to share with you, which is
1: considered the first fan scene in history. Guadalupe shares her screen to reveal images around what is considered the first fanzine in history. She makes clear, however, that of course, writing and self-publishing works of art is an ancient practice. On the screen now, she shares the Comet.
3: They just wanted to share their vision, not only with astronomy, but also with sci-fi. There are a lot of sci-fi fanzines.
1: She also shows us a boutique batch of fanzines that she created as it relates to decolonizing time, space, her body, her emotions, and her thoughts. Guadalupe loves looking up at the skies to get her fanzine inspiration from one of nature's most impressive systems, the cosmos, astrological bodies in space. Check out the video version of this podcast to see these images of her process, which include some images that she archived while walking down the streets of New York City.
3: I like to say they are not my, my personal scenes, you know? Sometimes they are for sharing, sometimes they are only for understand what I'm doing. Maybe like a diary, a work diary. And when we were in quarantine in 2020, I started to do this practice of making uh, lunar uh, calendars, which the idea is to work with uh, not only the, the normal uh, monthly calendar, you know, but the lunar one, which is looking at the moon cycle and writing down in the, each day, uh, I don't know, physical and emotional uh, thinkings. I love this because uh, if we, we often talk about decolonizing
0: just our thoughts, our thing, everything. And to look at, to check in with yourself based on the cycles of the moon, it's already coming out of a, of a way of thinking, you know, as it relates to, let's say, the Gregorian calendar, or as it relates to a certain way that we measure time.
2: So I love that you
0: are basically measuring time on your own within yourself and, cr- and putting your hands into it, checking in with your emotions, with your body, with you know, people around you. And actually something that you say about, you know, it's it's not necessarily for the masses. I think that's also decolonizing things because oftentimes people, you know, one of the big questions that a lot of business owners and people say, like, how can we reach the most amount of people and get the maximum and the growth and the this and the that? It's like. What if it's just one person that is moved by it? For me, that's a job well done versus we need a million people to pick up the, the you know the magazine or the fanzine and you know
3: give us the money. It's
0: like yeah, I would love to hear you reflect on that.
3: Yes, I agree. I agree, of course. As a photographer, I used to think like, I want my photos to be printed in, uh, I don't know, millions of different uh, paper supports and everything. And nowadays, I think more like uh, when you work with your garden, you know?
1: Guadalupe goes on to say that it's important to listen to whatever is needed and to give each creation or each zine its own time to develop. To take time to explore what you want to share, to have fun while doing it, and to collect inspiration from anywhere. She continues to share her screen to show recent inspirations that she's collected for her series called Sky Readers, the same ones that we're using here for the podcast cover art and in our interview Zoom rooms.
0: So, as you pull up your next uh, images, voila, I want to just point out some things happening in the chat. A lot of people have been throwing up the emoji hearts as they're seeing your photos and hearing you speak. Um, Matthew was saying that wow, so powerful, so moving. Just this whole process.
1: We had some questions come up in the chat regarding how to put the images, words, thoughts, etc., together after collecting them for our fanzines. <laughs> Cheers.
3: Uh, an example that maybe can answer your question. How to put this in a scene? Well, the, the common way is to print it.
1: Guadalupe begins to share how she loves to print paper and add an intervention to it. Here, she shows an example of her process, taking a blank piece of paper and splashing and dripping black ink to cover the paper in random ways, not looking for a specific image, just putting the ink on the paper, and later connecting those dots of ink with lines to form her own constellation patterns. She says it's the same way we might look up at the stars today, connecting them to feed our imagination or to find images or look for a bigger meaning. Guadalupe begins to show another way of using this printing technique to print off images and leave blank spaces around those images in order to add your intervention. She adds that using your intuition at this point is really helpful. This is a
3: calendar also, uh Mexican Mayan calendar.
0: I'm thinking just now, looking at this, the first image that you shared, oftentimes I reflect on how much I don't know about my ancestors. And, and I try to get to like, OK, if I were living back in I don't know, another time, space moment. And I were looking at the sky on my back, you know, in a different part of the world, in Africa, somewhere. How would I see the stars? And what connections would I make? So that actually, that first image, this one, reminded me of that because this is literally how people started to figure out, oh, this is, the sun does this, you know, and the moon does this, and the stars do this. And we didn't have our cell phones Taking up all of our imagination, <laughs> sometimes we in that moment, you know, bringing me back to if I were living just several generations, seven generations, let's say, in the past or more, how would I see the sky? And it's just <laughs> like getting the whatever I think the stars are, whatever lines someone else connected for me, I can I can create my own dots and my, make my own connections. Um, so I love that you're you're putting this here as an as an example.
3: Yes, yes, it's the same idea. And the important part of naming, no, what were what, you were talking in the last episode, like putting in words. That's amazing. And if you can uh, do your own myth of your constellation that you write, well, you start uh, an, an oral literature. <laughs> Absolutely. And looking at some of these
0: other images, leaving the blank space, You know, if you're printing something or drawing something and leaving a blank blank space for intervention, something that comes to mind immediately for me is like I have so many to do lists everywhere. And it just it really puts time in such a linear way, you know, bullet points, even the word bullet points. It's so destructive. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like you're giving me personally some ideas. And anyone who's listening, please feel free to share these ideas with me. But I would love to like take one of these uh, images, for example, that have to do with time space, and maybe like on the second you know on the blank part of it put my to-do list <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. That's poetic already. So so Wada, we only have about seven minutes left. I want to yes. bring us back to um, our proposal for our listeners which is, of course, we want our listeners to create their own liberation project using a zine, a fanzine, a zine, however you call it. I love that even the language is, it, it mutates as we speak. So what's the first step? Just review,
3: what's the first step? And then tell us the end goal. Okay, <laughs> I think the first step is to imagine what you want to do, maybe. Uh, and thinking about what you want to say also and then just starting like doing some collage i will show you the the third example that i had which is uh from different uh movements there in the states like in the 90s riot girl girl it was a movement maybe you know this more than me (laughs) and they believe in girls actively engaging like in cultural cultural production, you No, know, they were doing their own music, this do-it-yourself culture. And also these bands were, are associated like with, not only with scenes uh, and to express feminist and also anti-racist viewpoints. Uh, there are some short documentaries about this movement, but I think like this idea of doing collage and photocopy it's the the original or the more common way, uh, and I think it has this lovely uh, visual identity, you know. But this idea of folding uh, a page and starting creating there, like with the printing, a photocopy and a black and white aesthetic.
0: Beautiful. And I love that it's even, it's taking a step outside of like Instagram, you know, that tries to live to this beauty standard that we talked about earlier in, in this conversation. It's like, let me just, you know, find a piece of paper that I was gonna throw away and do an intervention and, and make that a part of my, you know, mini zine or something like that. And Chris is writing in the chat saying that this is terrifying, let's do it. For people who think this might be like scary or terrifying to to, you know, start something like this, What's, what's something you might suggest to help, you know, be more comfortable to get into a nice groove? Um, because, you know, yeah, as Chris is saying, it's terrifying to be this vulnerable. And I, I can definitely resonate with that. Do you have any advice on how we can be more vulnerable in this process?
3: Yes. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's a good idea to put some music. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's easier to work with someone. For example, you meet a friend and instead of only talking, you talk and at the same time you, you do this collage. Maybe uh, each, each one in their own or maybe together in the same uh, scene but doing with other people, talking about these things. Freestyle, yes. Guiche wrote freestyling. Freestyle, bad freestyling.
0: Yes. (laughs) Matthew Reynolds wrote collaboration. And just to give ourselves the space to mess up, right? Matthew, you always say fail is first attempt in learning. So it's no one is ever failing. We're learning. Um, (laughs) And so what I want to say, just, you know, as we're listening to the episodes throughout this season, um, we are on the 21st of July. We're gonna have another live event like this one. And we want to give the opportunity for folks to share what they're making. So you'll have an opportunity if you'd like, of course, there's no pressure, um, to share what you've been working on. You know, and if, if anything we're talking about in the podcast brings, you know, cracks something open or allows you to think from a different perspective and you wanna get that down, this is your opportunity to do that. And then we'll hold space for us to share our creations. And of course, we'll continue to talk about how we can be liberated. Um, I know that, uh, yes, Sunjata wants to speak as well. I realized I wasn't on the spotlight, oops. Uh, but yeah, Sunjata, let me know what you gotta say. I know you got lots to yeah, say. Yeah, I
2: was, I was just gonna say very briefly, thank you for going over that overview and giving us examples, Guadalupe, of what a fanzine is. I was not aware of what it was until recently when Mariella shared with me what they are and how people use that to um, for activism and to create these visual pieces of physical you know, uh, representation of what they want to express. Um, so I just want to put out a call to action and maybe a challenge to, to those of you who may be present, who are you know, appreciate the theory of indivisibility framework that I created, or someone who's listening to the recording or watching this later, um, who follow this work, to create a theory of indivisibility fanzine. So if you looked at the tools of oppression and the tools of indivisibility, if maybe you can t- pull images from you know, mass media, from social media, from um, you know, all, all sorts of you know, uh, pop culture, to create a fanzine that kind of tells a story that weaves into my my theory of indivisibility. I think that would be wonderful. So I wanted to put that challenge out there to someone.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. So we're we're also gonna send specifics. No way, I know some people are like more linear learners and they need, okay, what's the step-by-step step again? <laughs> so be looking out for, you know, Guadalupe's interpretation of step one to the last step on how to create your own fanzine. Sunjata will also be able to dive in deeper on what he just said here with this challenge of sharing theory of indivisibility using your fanzine. This has been so wonderful. Um, Thank you, everyone, for joining. And any last words, Guadalupe?
3: We have to play
0: more. (laughs) Absolutely. Play more. Thank you so much, everyone. (laughs) All right. We'll see you all on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning
1: in to the Grow Dialogue podcast. Remember to join our Grow Dialogue community to continue the conversation, activate authentic dialogue, and to get exclusive content, discounts, and special offers on curated artwork and music from independent artists from the Americas. Check out our show notes for more info and visit www.growdialogue.com to join our live events. Don't forget to support us on Patreon. We really appreciate your support.